So when you sense make for some, you sense make for many. And that's the the important piece about stepping up into your thought leadership. Hey there, and welcome to yet another episode of the World of Presentations podcast brought to you by us at Presentation Agency 356 Labs, the company that's also behind the largest premium yearly presentation skills conference in the world called Present to Succeed. This podcast is for all of you who strive to be exceptional and deliver truly effective presentations every single time. So if you're that person, you're on the right place. I'm Boris, the founder of the company and your host for today's episodes. And with me is a colleague of ours. Her name is Andrea Sampson, which, and I have to tell you this one, just listen to this one. She describes it in her LinkedIn profile this way. Uh, Andrea is someone who loves and believes that we're each the sum total of every conversation we have ever had. So her goal is to create and have intelligent conversations every day. Uh, she's also a TEDx speaker coach and provides communication coaching and consulting expertise to leaders experts and change makers and i'll stop here and leave it to her to tell even more andrea welcome to the podcast thanks so much boris i'm so excited to be here thank you for asking me on there was what did i miss there was a little bit more about you Sure. So, you know, I've got a bit of an eclectic background. I spent almost uh, the first 25 years of my career in marketing and advertising, working for some of the largest brands in the world on some of the largest brands in the world. And, you know, in advertising, I was a what was called a planner. I was a strategist. Uh, And my job was to really deeply understand the reasons why humans make the decisions that they make, the buying decisions. And because I was a planner, a strategist, Um, What I did was I helped to understand how we could change those decisions, have people make other decisions, change their behavior. Well, when I started working with TEDx Toronto here in Canada close to 10 years ago, I started to understand that the first 20 years of my career in advertising was exactly the right foundation to be a speaker's coach. And truthfully, I didn't even know what a speaker's coach was when I was volunteered, as all TED events are our volunteer, um, as a speaker's coach. And what I learned in working with TED speakers is that, first of all, you work with some of the most incredible people in the world. These are, you know, scientists, academics, technologists, artists, people who are changing the world. And what I was helping them to do was to take these big ideas that they had, these tremendous ideas that were impacting the world. And I was helping them to tell them in such a way that the rest of us could understand. Because here's the thing I know about experts and change makers is that they're really good at doing the work, but they're not so good at helping other people to understand it. So I helped them turn it into stories. And from working with those people on TEDx Toronto, I got a passion for helping these individuals, experts, change makers, people who have big stories to tell. Um, And I knew I had to do something different. So I left advertising uh, and opened my own company called Talk Boutique. And at Talk Boutique, what what I do is I transform experts and change makers into thought leaders by helping them to become storytellers. And during my journey through Talk Boutique, I also was part of the team that brought Singularity University to Canada. 
and went on to become the lead certifier for Singularity throughout the world. Singularity is a very popular organization, I have to say. I mean, it is a very, very popular and a very special one that is guaranteed. Now, let's jump to those type of audiences that you are talking about because Singularity is all about science. Yes. It's all about tech. Uh, so you work with those type of people, scientists, tech people, more or less, engineers, artists. What do you see them struggling most with? Like, what are the top things here? Yeah. So, you know, I get asked this question a lot. And, and the reality is, is that the thing that they struggle with the most is being understood. The reality is, is that, you know, they're really good at the data, the facts, the, you know, why things are as they are. And that's their job. You know, that's what they do every day. But they're not so good at helping the rest of us to understand, first of all, what it is they do, but actually more importantly, why that's important. And, you know, because as humans, what we really really want to know is what's the impact of what's happening. You know, the story is often the thing that happens after you've done the work you're doing. How will it impact me? How will it impact millions? How will it impact my family? You know, these are the things that we really want to know. So I help them. And this is this is kind of the key of it is to take those facts and data and build a story around it. You know, storytelling is one of those things that helps us to really, really create connections with the people that we're talking to. All right. So you mentioned storytelling. Obviously, it's an important one. We are going to talk a little bit more about it. But when you talk about scientists, engineers, I'm also coming from the tech field. I was a database person, uh, you know, so I was doing databases and data all yeah. like I was immersed in that stuff. Um, let's say up until six or seven years ago. And I miss it a little bit, you know, from time to time, I kind of miss it. <laughs> you know, I, I spent a lot of my career actually working in data. When I worked in advertising, I worked in direct marketing. So a big part of the early part of my career was working directly on databases. So I fully get it. Yeah. So and report the reporting part and seeing the insights and all that. And anyway, uh, providing the so-called self-service dashboards, you know, like that, it's, <laughs> that back then that was something that was. Oh God, anyway, you're it, taking me back. Yeah, yeah absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So, what are the top? Uh, before we jump into the storytelling uh, part, yeah. um, you're working with those type of audiences and type of people and experts on very high levels, etc. Uh, and again, as you mentioned, some of the brightest, if you wish, minds out there, like what are the top three things you try and push yourself to teach them? Like what are those top three things except for maybe storytelling? Sure, sure. So the first thing is to really ground their ideas. So, you know, I mean, again, when you're working with people who have very complex ideas, those ideas are difficult for us to understand. So what we do is we break it down into really three components, the what the how and the why. The what is the topic, the thing they're talking about. It's usually the, the thing that they work on. Um, it usually is pretty basic. It doesn't have a lot of emotion around it. It's a thing. It's a noun. The how is the way in which they are differentiating or activating their what. So while many people can do the what because the what is just a thing, the how is what's personal to them. It's their idea. It's their, uh, their unique point of difference. So when you put the what and the how together, you get them. But then the why. And this is the piece that most, especially 
scientists miss is the, the impact that it's going to make on others. And the why is actually the place where the speaker, the communicator and the audience meet. It's the place where the passion comes together. And the why is where all of the passion and emotion lives. So when you put together the what, the how and the why, what you have is a core idea that's very clear and that that connects with the speaker as well as with the audience. So that's the first thing I teach them. Hmm. The second thing I teach them is the use of voice. Our voice is so incredibly important. Now, I by no means am a vocalist, but what I am as an expert communicator is I understand how voice is a way in which for us to connect. Now, today we're speaking on a podcast. If I was speaking in a very monotone way, what would happen is your listeners would eventually tune me out. And so we need to use our voice as a way to draw people in. You know, think about when you're listening to somebody tell a child a story, their their voice is going into different characters and we're hearing, um, we're hearing scary voices and then we're hearing maybe silence and things like that. Now, why do we do that naturally with children? But when we're talking to each other, we tend to forget that we've got this tool. So I teach them how to use that voice. And then the third thing is to make sure that they are allowing their body to tell the same story that their voice is telling. Our bodies don't lie. The gestures, the ways in which we lean in, tell a story in and of itself. And so when we understand how to use our body, how to use our voice, and how to convey that core idea, what we have is a fully congruent story that the audience connects to. Can I... Can I go back to the voice part? Because that's super interesting, especially with the tech, the scientists and all of those type of people. Actually, it's, I think it's super relevant to every presenter, every business person who is being asked to speak. How do you push them to change there? Uh, because yeah. I think that's something that everyone should be forcing themselves to do, especially nowadays with all of that virtual type Absolutely. of things and all of the algorithms that even compress our voices even further because we are online, etc. What are is that example that you just gave with the baby and how we are talking to a baby, for example? Is that the example that you give them and then you ask them, hey, so why don't you just do the same when you're speaking? Or is it something else that you is there another button that you're pushing there? Yeah. So there's a bunch. I mean, we, we actually talk about the vocal dashboard and, you know, we have many different ways in which we can vocalize. So everything from pitch to tone, to texture, to volume, these are all highs and low points that we can use with our voice. So we teach them, first of all, what are, what is the entire vocal dashboard? And then what we do, and we do it through a combination of training, but actually more in the coaching side of getting them to hear their own voice. So we don't realize how fast or quickly or how um, lack of of inflection we speak with, like what's happening because we we hear ourselves, we understand what we're saying, we understand what we're trying to say. So we're not paying attention to the way in which we're saying it. And in fact, what most people are most worried about is sounding authoritative. So they're using the authority voice, the newscaster voice, as I like to call it. And it's the on at 10 kind of sound, you know? And the problem with that is a newscaster typically is reading. And when we read, we sound like we're reading, most of us. Uh, 
And so we're not accessing those other areas of our voice. So what we do is we start to train them in pausing. Number one, so few people pause. Did you see what had just happened there as I paused? You looked up. Yep. Why? Because when there is white space in sound, everybody pays attention. What am I missing? Did I miss something? Should I do something? So if you want to gain your engagement with your audience, just simply pause. What it's also doing for you as the speakers, it's allowing you to catch up. So these vocalizations aren't just for the ways in which to engage an audience, but it's for you as the speaker, you're putting emotion in your voice. So, you know, using the vocal dashboard, understanding the tools that we have at our disposal and then actually using them. That's actually really, really key to giving any sort of communication, whether it be a talk, whether it be on a Zoom call. And, you know, we are all so now cued to this world of virtual that we're living in. And so what happens is we get bored, we get we start to tune out the voice starts to get tired or on the other side of it. If we're nervous, we speed up. And we speak at a million miles an hour and no one understands anything. And, you know, we think that people want us to speak faster rather than slower because we're all in, you know, we're the YouTube world, right? Where I can speed up the playback of any presentation and we all do it. But that's not how we want somebody to present to us because in the YouTube world, I can press pause and I can go back. You cannot do that in real life. Yeah, And so our voice and using it to the best of our ability is going to be the thing that connects us and that gives understanding and engagement with our audience. Yeah. By the way, I cannot, when you said the, the, especially the idea about the pauses, like we had two days ago, three days ago, uh, I don't even remember anymore, but it was on the, so we are recording this on Monday. So it was Friday. So three days ago, uh, we had a practice session with one, one of our customers and one of the ladies that were, that prepared a presentation for the practice session. She came up, actually took everything from the first session that we had with them, which is very rare for some reason, but she tried to apply absolutely everything, right? Oh. Um, I mean, absolutely everything. And she, as part of her presentation, told the story. Now that may sound cute or whatever, but she told she told a story about a cat, a small cat that was left out on the streets, etc. And the only like everyone was you can just feel how everyone was immersed in that. Even though we were online, everyone was so on the like so engaged, etc. And after she ended, everyone was like, "I'll do whatever you just." just advice like she was like hey just think about the next time when you see one of those cats just help it you know like did show especially she made this call to action at the end of the talk because most of the audiences uh, most of the audience in that training are ladies who already have kids right and then she was like what type of example are we giving to her our kids like when you left somebody uh and not just helping them. What do you want to, how do you want to raise your kids? And she used that as an example of, Hey, let's show our kids that we need to be caring. We need to all all of that stuff. And the only thing that was missing 
And I just remember that when you said the pauses, the only thing that was missing was pauses on a few moments, you know, like yeah. on just a few yeah. moments. And I said it in the feedback session, in the feedback part. And there was another lady from her team that said, if she adds pauses, she will completely destroy us. Oh, yeah. Well, and, yeah. and that's the point, right? Because that's what happens in those pauses. You're letting it rain. You know, when I talked earlier about doing that core idea, and, and we call that a statement of purpose. And it's one of the things that I like to do because the core idea, that one sentence, it's the most important thing you're going to say in the entire talk. And it sounds like and we, there's two places within a presentation or within a talk that you would typically do that statement of purpose. The first is right after you tell that opening story. Um, and then you're going to bring it back because you don't just have that opening story at the beginning. You actually pull it all the way through and you end on a completion of that story. And so you end with that statement of purpose turned into a call to action. And what what you want to do is you want to put a pause before you say it. Then you say it, you put a pause after and what you're doing is you're really cueing the audience, right? So the audience, as soon as you pause, they all look up. So now you've got their attention. You make that impactful statement and then you let it hang. And as you do that, you own the stage in a way that you didn't before you did that. And everybody is now reflecting on that. And it's really powerful when you when you have the courage, because it, it is a courage thing. It's one of those things that it's really hard when you're the person that everyone is looking at. Hold the moment. But that's mm -hmm. what you're doing. And in that moment, you project yourself from that center stage to the entire stage. And if you're on a video call, you've taken over every screen, regardless of whether they're looking at you or not. They are now looking at you. And yeah. so it's a real it's a courage thing, um, but it's also a powerful, powerful moment. Yeah, I can't agree with you more like that courage part. I uh, you saying this uh, in another like the pauses now then I need to bring up for the case of this podcast I need to bring up and screenshot another email from that same group that's all about courage it was about the end and yeah. someone asked me what can I improve in my the end of my talk I was like you need to end like super strong you ended super strong but you added a few more things that were not needed you should have ended that's, there that, that that's requires, so, yeah. as you said it requires courage to put a full stop and go silent and go silent and then you just and it, that's where it's the call to action you know again when, yeah. when i work with ted speakers you know what i always say to them is what do you want your audience to think or do differently as a result of what you've just told them and so that's the piece that's what you end on don't you know in an ending in a close there's really only three things that you should do at the end of any talk the first is you want to pull a thread down from that story so typically you know you're going to have an opening where you're giving something emotional you want to remind people of that emotional place that you started with and you want to pick up and give them another place, another emotion to connect in with. The next thing you're going to do is you're going to remind them of the idea that you're giving them, the, the statement of purpose or the core idea. You want to have that one sentence reminder because that's the most important thing that they're going to hear in the entire talk. So you've got to remind them of why you've just told them everything you've told them. And then the final thing, this is where it's so important. And this is where you're going to put pauses. Is you want to give a call to action. 
what it is you want them to think or do differently as a result of what you've just told them. And it's tied into that core idea. And this is where you want to put a pause before you have that call to action. You want to state it. And this is where you stand center stage or you look directly into that camera and you give your call to action and then you stop and you pause and you hold that moment. Yep. And then, then you end it with a thank you. But you hold the moment for a good three to five seconds. Hold it. And that can feel like an eternity. (laughs) But what you're doing is you're really letting it drop and the gravity of it. On On a close, you do not add any new information. You keep it clean. You've done all of that in your talk. You've given them everything they need to know. Now you're just cutting cleanly into that idea and what you want them to do differently. So have the courage to do that. I'm writing that down. So on a close, you are not adding any new information. That one is so on spot. Now let's jump because we can obviously talk about that part for hours. Storytelling. Why should people care? Why should people push themselves to master that skill? The storytelling is one of those things that we as humans, first of all, we just do it naturally. We, you know, listen to our language. Our language is imbued with metaphor, which is really story. So we love story. And why do we love story? Well, there's a couple of different reasons. First of all, it connects us. Stories are meta stories. So Every story that's ever been told, we all have some connection to it and we've all had some experience of it. So you could be telling me the most insane story and somewhere in my life, I've had components of that. And so while your story is always going to be your story, I am connecting to it as a human who has lived a life. And so we mirror each other. And this is where it comes into brain science. Our brains love story because our brains are two things. They're predictive and they're associative. So our brain is always trying to predict what's coming next. So in a story, it's kind of having fun. It's getting excited about, oh, I think I know what's coming. We're always trying to predict it. And the second thing is it's associative. It needs to have other things to associate to so it remembers. And so when we've got a complex idea that we're trying to get people to remember, wrapping it in story is a great way to get them to remember it. We're giving them an association. You know, and there's been tons of stories done on, or sorry, tons of of research done on on, um, what happens in the brain when it's listening to story. And what's happening is it's exciting all of the sensory cortexes of the brain. And so we're seeing the brain light up, whether it's, you know, from talking about smelling something or hearing something or seeing something. All of those parts of our brain are getting excited. So imagine that in terms of the brain having all of these different ways to associate an idea. If you're telling facts and data, we're really only exciting the, the frontal cortex, the, the sort of the frontal lobes of the brain. That's where facts and uh, facts and data are held. And it's, in, it's actually in language processing. That's what we're doing. We're, we're going to language processing. And it's not enough for the brain to recall it. So if you want your audience to be engaged, to understand, to connect, to find ways to be interested, 
stories are the ways in which we do it. You know, when I, when I started Pot Boutique, one of the, you know, I was kind of giving some, some lots of thought to what it was we were actually doing with people. I had spent about four years working with TED speakers at that point and, um, you know, was sort of giving some thought to it. And I, and I came up with this Venn diagram that, that helps to understand, and I call it from idea to impact. Um, and the first, so the first circle, imagine a Venn diagram, the first circle is story. And the second circle is idea and you've got an intersection. And so what happens is when you take an idea, as all TED Talks have an idea and you wrap it in story, what happens is you create engagement, interest, people lean in. Now, if you only have story and idea, what happens is it kind of ends there, right? So we we sit at our computer, we watch a TED Talk or we watch an interesting video and it's interesting. And we are kind of interested. And, and if we do nothing more with it, nothing happens, right? We just have that knowledge. Where it gets interesting is when you add the third circle, which is conversation or engagement. You know, and you started this off by talking about the tagline that I've got on there, which is about, you know, the, we are the sum total of every conversation we've ever had. And I truly, truly believe that. Because what I know is that those, those stories and that have been wrapped in ideas get activated when you add conversation. Because what happens is you and I may have watched the same video, the same TED talk. When we talk about it, what we learn is what we took away was different. You have one understanding of it. I have another understanding of it. When we speak, we get a, a shared understanding. And it's a different understanding than which than than the one that either of us had before that conversation. So we now have connected in a new way and we've connected with that idea in a new way. And when you have that engagement and you have understanding and you have connection, what you do is you create impact. Because now that idea, which came along with the story, right? Because that's what we, we weren't talking about the idea. We were actually talking about the story. And that's what gets us talking. The idea comes along for the ride because stories are like Trojan horses for ideas. All right. So that being said, so to keep it a little bit more practical, also in that segment about storytelling, please advise everyone that's listening. What are the most fundamental things that they need to work on? to make sure that they're going to tell an engaging story? Like what do they need to know and then do sure. to make sure that the story is the story that they're going to tell is an engaging and memorable one. So knowing that there's brain science behind it and knowing that you want to have, you want people to remember your ideas. So number one, have an idea. So before you even start telling your story, know why you're telling it. So have a point. So that's number one. The next thing is because we know that the brain gets engaged through sensory information, build your story using the census. So if you're going to tell us a story, start off with where are you physically? Are you in a forest? Is it a cold day? Is the snow gently falling? Can you smell the pine? Okay. Now, right now you're in that forest with me, aren't you? Your brain has taken you there. So build the story through the census, bring us exactly to where you are, excite the census with words that give us that. So the smell of pine, the feeling of cold on our skin, the sound of birds chirping as you bring people in now, 
Don't forget, you've got characters. Now, what's what's happening? Why are you telling us this story? Now, every good storyteller does one more thing. And it's in every every movie we've ever watched, which is the raising of the stakes. It's the and then moment. Create tension. So when you're telling a story, you start with the environment. You go to the characters. You then tell us why you're telling us this story. Then you have that and then moment, that raising of the stakes. And then you go to the conclusion, which leads to the idea you want us to remember. All right. So if they just follow those a few things, and I totally love the idea about just all those. I like the definition of uh, Kendall Heaven, who is so much in the storytelling world. He defines one of the components of engaging stories as sensory details. This is exactly what you're pointing to and more or less describing the scene, describing what you're hearing, stuff, feeling, smelling, etc. All those things with words or with the visual support also, right? You can use mm. the slides or yeah. the visual support that you have. Be that, say it. Yeah, say it. The more you say it, have both. It's a see and say. Like as if you have slides and you might have a beautiful slide up there of a winter scene, they'll tell us the voice access yeah all right so last one here yeah you have a very strong opinion on people trying and pushing themselves to be thought leaders you're also starting you actually now after this recording is published we have started a mention um, a program that's called the three secrets. correct me if i'm wrong here the three secrets tedx speakers used to deliver compelling virtual presentations and it's all about thought leadership. Why are you like, why do you try to push people into thought leadership? Why do you think that's important? Why should people chase yeah. that opportunity? You know, I, I do have a really strong opinion on this because I think right now our world is going through a lot of change, you know, in this moment and when we're recording this, I mean, I, I live in Toronto. We're still on a lockdown from the pandemic. There's economic fallout from that. And there will be for years. I mean, the reality is we're in a place of change. We're also at the dawning of the fourth industrial revolution. And everything that we have known up until this point is in a state of change, you know, from our systems to our structures and even what it means to be human. And so we're reconstructing ourselves and what we know. And the world needs people to step up as thought leaders. We need to step into this place of what it is that each of us are an expert in, because we all have expertise and we make sense from our perspective for others, because, in, you know, we see this happening a lot, but so many people don't think that they're a thought leader, think that perhaps what they have to say is not important. And, and I disagree because what I see is that sense-making is the thing that helps us all. When some one of us makes sense for somebody else, a bunch of people get it from that perspective because we've got to hear it from several different perspectives. So when you sense make for some, you sense make for many. And that's the, the important piece about stepping up into your thought leadership. Because it's not about being the thought leader. It's being a thought leader from your perspective. 
and I'm writing that down. Who else should we get on our podcast? <laughs> you know, I I work with such one amazing name. people. One name. Yeah, one name. So um, I think Pascal Finette. I don't know if you know Pascal. He, um, Pascal. Pascal, P-A-S-C-A-L, last name Finette, F-I-N-E-T-T-E. Um, he is the chair of entrepreneurship at Singularity University, and he owns a company called Be Radical. Um, and Pascal is a phenomenal storyteller. All right. That sounds great. You need to introduce us to, to Pascal. I will. For sure. Yeah. What type, Pascal, what type of name is this? Like this is... Pascal, he is... Hmm. I think uh, Latino, I think is where the name comes from. Although he is not, he is, he's British, I believe. Wow. Or maybe even German. I, I don't know where he's from. I met him first in Germany, but that was at a singularity event in Germany. So um, I don't think he was from there. No. Okay. We need to get him obviously on the podcast. If he's a brilliant storyteller. He is. Something to say he is. And you'll love him. Oh my God. He's amazing. All right. So one last here. What's the best place people can connect with you and see what's going on in your world? Mm -hmm. Like what are those maybe website and the social media that you prefer to get connected to? What are those places? So um talkboutique.com is our website website. Come come and visit us. We've always got lots going on. And then you know what? From a social media standpoint, visit me on Clubhouse at Talk Boutique. All right. That is unusual Clubhouse. Clubhouse. Yeah. So, and I've been doing lots of rooms on Clubhouse and we've been talking about thought leadership and storytelling and I'd love to have more audience on Clubhouse. That is an unusual one. Okay. Here we have it. Uh, Dog Boutique will be the one. Uh, Clubhouse and the profile Dog Boutique will be the one. That sounds great. Okay. Well, I'll make sure that we will link all those uh, in the show notes. So everyone, you know where to find them. They will be on the blog that is part of the and that will present the episode so what is it like it's now 40 minutes already in yeah well, that was not that was super nice thanks for thanks for coming here to the podcast and sharing all of those ideas that was nice. oh you're welcome thank you for having me this has been so much fun i really we, appreciate we, it we need to do that again but on a very specific like just maybe talking about lessons learned from evaluating presentations and giving feedback yeah yeah Oh, that would be a great one. I mean, we, you know, I, I evaluate it. Uh, so as a certifier for Singularity University, I traveled the world last year, well, 2019. Um, and, and I worked with uh, thought leaders all over the world. Um, and what we were doing was certifying them as faculty. So we actually put them through an intensive two day program where they had to build and give a talk within two days. And we cert and we actually evaluated them at the end of that two days. And so they would have to get up and do their 10 minute, you know, sort of version of the talk. And I, myself and, and, um, one of my other coaches would literally do a full evaluation of them. And it's, so it's, it's a really interesting process of, and it's something that we actually do in the corporate world as well, uh, of, of evaluating talks and being able to, because there's, you know, and, and because you've got such a short period of time, right? Like 10 minutes, right. And you're listening to that person and you're trying to go through everything from their content to their performance, to their voice, uh, to their gesturing, to their status, to their stage presence like you're you're looking at all of them right 
And it's, um, it's one of those things that so few people ever have done in their life. Um, that when you do it and like, you start to really notice where people are like, you know, status as an example, which is status is really sort of that idea of your stage presence, right? Like you're, it's, it's the way in which you perceive yourself, the way in which the audience perceives you and the way in which you perceive that the audience perceives you. And so it's all perception. It's just perception. And so, and it's all the way you hold your body. All right, we will plan for it. Yeah. We'll plan for it. Okay. Let's Good. let's leave it. <laughs> well, let's leave it here. Or we can do a clubhouse together. That will also be an interesting room for clubhouse. Yeah, yeah, we'd love that. We have been doing clubhouses or experiment is the proper Yeah, word. yeah, that's what I've been doing too. Because it's yeah, still so I, experimental right I, now. I, but. I actually believe that everyone is currently experimenting. <laughs> there is no trying to figure out how do you monetize this, right? Like how do you turn this into something that um, can eventually be um, you know, like a social media that, you know. Because they will become monetized at some point. And the question is, do you, you know, do you have a presence on there um, that uh, that is monetizable? Yeah, I don't know. We can ask the people who are listening to this one. Hey, everyone that's listening, give us ideas. Like, what do you think, having in mind what Clubhouse is? And if you don't know what Clubhouse is, when you're listening to this podcast episode, well, Google it, obviously. Um, you need to be aware what Clubhouse is. It's the latest trend uh, in yeah. social media. And it's voice only. So it's yep. voice only. Forget about the video. And you, now it's a it's living podcast. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a living podcast. Yeah. More or less. It is, yeah. More or less. It's a living podcast. And the cool part, at least for now, it's invites only. Right. Yes. So <laughs> That's the, right. Yeah. Keeping it exclusive a little bit. So, and you have to have an, you have to have a, an iPhone. Plus, yeah, still it's an iOS app only. Yeah. So if someone is on Clubhouse or consuming Clubhouse, it's not related to presentations, but why don't you let us know? Like, why would you and what needs to happen in Clubhouse, let's say, so that it makes up for it makes up for somebody to pay for joining a room or whatever. That would be interesting. Like that may, I don't yeah. know, that sounds interesting. It does sound interesting. At least to me. Uh, it will be interesting to see how that platform is indeed monetized. Anyway, let's stop here because otherwise it will get crazy. <laughs> we can talk about Clubhouse using voice on podcasts, etc., etc. We can talk about a lot of other things, obviously, in the next few days. Uh, I don't know, but let's stop here because otherwise we'll never end this podcast. Andrea, thanks again for joining. This was a huge, huge pleasure. Like, thanks again for doing this. Thank you, Boris. This has been an absolute pleasure. I have enjoyed every moment of it. Perfect. Happy to hear that. And if anyone listening has a question, I always say, hey, whatever you think you we can answer, just shoot us a message on any social media and Clubhouse also included. And we'll, you cannot shoot a question on, on Clubhouse if you're not part of a room, but still, if you are part of a room, shoot us a question there and we'll be happy to answer. In the meantime, let's also a shameless plug, Andrea, visit our website, <laughs> also, which is 356labs.com. Many people say it's 365 labs, but it's 356labs and see how we're helping also some of the biggest brands out there with their presentations, uh, virtual events since recently, by the way, very interesting and training needs. Um, also, if you still don't know about the yearly Present to Succeed conference, where we will probably need to get Andrea in, um, this is the conference that we organize. Check that one out too and join us in the upcoming edition. The prices are very, very compelling, yet you will be learning from some of the brightest presentation experts in the world. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Subscribe if you liked it and share it with a friend. See you in the next one.